0: Hello, and welcome to Mustangs in the Field, a podcast designed to help current Milwaukee students see a path towards a potential career. Through conversations of personal identity, resilience, and acknowledging the ever changing world of careers with past Milwaukee graduates, we hope to inspire our students to see school as an important step in helping them achieve their future goals. I am your host, Roberta Aguilar, a proud school counselor at Milwaukee High School and the Milwaukee Academy of Arts in wonderful milwaukee oregon and i look forward to sharing more about our wonderful guests and their stories before we begin our upcoming conversation i'd like to take a moment to thank our sponsor the mustang born alumni scholarship foundation who work tirelessly year after year to provide annual scholarships to several deserving mustang graduates to assist or donate to the mustang born alumni scholarship and help our milwaukee graduates you can check out their website at www.mustangbornfund.com or email them at mustangbornfund at gmail.com. Also, please enjoy the background and transitional music uh, provided to us by Mustang Graduate from the class of 2003 and a recent guest known as EP, lowercase e, double capital P, Um, I appreciate him giving me permission to use this music And so therefore, please go out and check it out And download it and share it with your friends widely Again, lowercase e, double capital P And let's help out a fellow Mustang graduate do his thing Alright, thank you so much for being here once again Please enjoy the upcoming guest.
1: Reality blindfolded. life like where the time going.
0: Welcome to Mustangs in the Field. Today's guest is Wendy Serrano from the class of two thousand and eight. Hello, Wendy. How are you doing?
1: Hi Roberto. I'm doing well and thank you for having me on the podcast. Excited to be here.
0: I'm so excited to have you. And as always, you know, we want to get to know who you are, so please um, you know, let our guests know who you are, introduce yourself, your identities, and not just your identities now, but how you identified when you were in high school.
1: Yeah. So as mentioned, my name is Wendy Serrano. I actually was born in California, but as a baby, I was taken to Mexico and grew up in Guadalajara, Jalisco until I was about 11 years old. And then my mom relocated to Oregon, in particular to Milwaukee. Um, and that's how I ended up in Milwaukee high school. And I would say that I, as, a, you know, as my background says, like very early on, I identified as Mexican, um, but then moving to the US um, and not speaking English, I, you know, there was a lot of labels that I had. I was an uh, English second language learner, um, I, I was, you know, the, I was an immigrant, um, uh, because I was in the US, even though my passport was an American passport, I, I couldn't really tell the difference because my experience was very much, uh, an immigrant experience, um, just na- navigating the culture here in the US, um, uh, and, you know, the new language. So I would say, you know, early, pretty early on as I joined seventh grade, at Elder Creek Middle School, um, I, I had a hard time, uh, with, with my identity because I didn't know many people that had, you know, the same path as I did. Um, just the fact that like, technically I was born here, but like, I couldn't speak English and, um, and then also just feeling like an immigrant, um, because, you know, my family was new to the, to the States and, um, yeah, it was, an interesting time, but I'd say that uh, to this day, I identify as a Latina. I wouldn't say that I just identify as a Mexican. I'm very proud of my Mexican heritage. um, But I think that to this day, I I believe that I, you know, my heritage is more not just from Mexico, but Latin America overall, um, particularly due to the Spanish language, how connected we are through through language, and how proud I am of, of my roots. So I bring that with me wherever I go. And uh, I was the first in my family to go to college. So to this day, I do identify as a, um, you know, (laughs) first time uh, or first in my family to attend college. Um, That's been a strong part of my identity. And uh, I'm happy to say that my siblings don't have to have that identity because I will be happy to help them navigate whatever experience, um, application, or encouragement they need, um, you know, that I maybe didn't have particularly just from my family or from my friends. Um, so yeah, that's, that's some of the identities that I've carried then and I still carry now. Um, you know, and it's, I think they keep on, I keep on grabbing more identities as I go along the way. Um, more recently I think, um, my identity is of being trilingual as I've learned a new language now that I've lived in Germany and, um, I think that's part of life. Your your identity just keeps morphing into, you know, whatever experiences you're acquiring and how you continue to identify yourself.
0: Yeah, I totally agree. And if you've heard some of my podcast episodes, I talk about how like I struggle with identity all the time and I'm 45-ish. No, I am 45. Ooh, Dang. (laughs) And, um, you know, things are always changing and you're adapting and I wish I could become trilingual maybe someday. Um, that's pretty awesome. Um,
1: don't give up. <laughs> <Yeah>. It's doable.
0: <laughs> yeah. So you're in, so you just said you've been living in Germany. So that's, that brings me to my next question. Like what are what's your current profession? Like how did you get to Germany? And what are some of your roles in that, in that, in, I don't know, with your profession?
1: So I would say how I got to Germany, it was a little bit different of uh, what I'm doing now. Um, I'll start with uh, what I'm doing now. I'm currently a Robert Bosch Foundation fellow, and that is a transatlantic fellowship that's given to about 15 Americans from the US yearly um, to come to Germany and to engage in learning the culture, the language, as well as in doing a nine month, they call it a stash, which is a, a professional development training by working At a desired uh, organization of your choice, so that means that you reach out to a corporation or a government entity or a nonprofit, and you say, "Hey, um, technically, you know, like this is my background, this is my experience, this is why I'm what I'm I'm interested in doing for your company um, or with your team," and um, and then you get paid from the foundation program, so they don't have to worry about paying you a salary. But you gain an experience of uh, working in Germany, working in German oftentimes, and uh, building relationships in a way that you wouldn't be able to if you just came from a cultural program where you just you know, have different seminars or meetings. It kind of it, it forces you to really integrate into the fabric of society in Germany. And so this is the 37th year that the Robert Bosch Foundation does this fellowship, and it is the last year of the fellowship. Um, it's sadly coming to an end due to a reorganization they had from all of their programming. So they're starting from zero again, but it was one of the most successful programs that they have. And I mean, there's, there's plenty of other fellowships like the one I'm in, and it's a great opportunity to be in a different country, to experience a, uh, you know, a different, different culture um, to live internationally and to learn a new language um, yeah. while you're at it. And so, why Germany? <laughs> I actually, um, I met a boy, uh, my partner here in Portland. He came from Germany as a master's student for the, uh, urban planning program here at PSU. And, um, we met as he had finished his program and I was working at TriMed, which deals a lot with a lot of planning issues in the city. So we kind of crossed paths professionally and, uh, then, you know, love, Love stroke, and uh, he was actually here also for a fellowship. He had done the Fulbright fellowship, and um, he was due to come back or go back to Germany for at least two years to have the cultural exchange. That's the goal of these programs, you know, that the country of origin will benefit from uh, someone who has been trained or has been studying abroad and bring that back to to their country. So since he had to move back, we try long distance. And then he he and I decided that it would be a good idea for me to also go to Germany. And, you know, that is why I decided to quit my job and head on over to Germany. And then I found out about this opportunity of a fellowship, which I would have never. I mean, as I mentioned, I'm not I'm a non-traditional student I never I never really thought I would go to college and I never really knew much about academia Um, even while going to college I didn't I don't think I knew a lot about these opportunities such as fellowships it's just stuff that people in my circle uh, didn't really come across or or mention Um, but you know life presents itself and weird ways. And I learned about fellowships and here I am doing one and living in Germany.
0: (laughs) Yeah. So yeah, that's what I was thinking. Like you talked about your, 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 your guy, your partner, he was clearly in college and he found a fellowship. And that's when I think about fellowships, but you said yours was only professional. Like you're, you're not, you graduated from Portland state. You were working at TriMet, which you talked about the public planning, you know, there's a lot of planning and Government entities and whatnot. So, but so fellowships aren't just for college folks or students that are current students. It's this one was for professionals, like you said, right? And people in the nonprofits and whatnot.
1: Correct. There's actually, I, I can only say that there's been sort of an increase in fellowship opportunities, and they're very philanthropic in nature. Um, a lot of the ones, um, like the one that I'm doing currently. It's more of an effort of understanding, particularly within between international countries. Um, I think there's a desire for for different partnerships or relationships to be preserved, and in this case, that's the German the German foundation that I receive funding from, the, the fellowship from, is very interested in in continuing to have a healthy relationship with the United States, and they do that by by, by contributing or investing in Americans to learn more about Germany through the ways that they sponsor us coming to the country and, and engaging in various uh, work or, you know, through learning the language. And I mean, but to say that there's, recently, I've learned of the Facebook fellowship, and there's a lot of uh, climate fellowships right now. And, these are opportunities that people can do after college. These are opportunities that people can do while they're in school as well, um, at various points of school, whether you just graduated from your undergrad, or if you're interested in doing something after your master's degree, um, this is this is something that you should definitely look into. Um, I totally highly recommend uh, people to consider doing a little bit of research on something that may fit their needs because as, as we, as I said, you know, I never would have pictured myself living in Germany, um, but now that I have, even with COVID, it has been just a wonderful experience to, to just be somewhere entirely different than the U.S. or Mexico and to put myself out of my comfort zone and you know, learn a new language and sort of be in a very international setting um, that at the end of the day just pushes you to grow professionally and personally. And I think that's the biggest takeaway. And well, you can get paid. So, you know, that's not, that's also a nice perk.
0: Yeah, definitely. So usually right about now, I'd be asking you like, okay, how'd you get, you know, on your path to your profession, which I'm not sure what it is. And even how you got into TriMet is an interesting story that I don't know if I know all the way, but along the way, we know that there's going to be obstacles and roadblocks and detours. And so I'm always wondering who were the inf- influential figures that helped you navigate those, those, um, you know, those difficulties, those challenges. So that way you can maintain on this, you know, this path. So, yeah. So let's hear about the path and some folks that might've helped you.
1: Definitely. I think, uh, you know, Despite having found success in education towards you know working on my undergrad or my master's degree and currently doing professional a professional fellowship, I definitely didn't always believe I would make it quote unquote, um, particularly because in middle school and high school, I really struggled and I think my struggles were originating from just how how difficult it felt to me to be away from my family in Mexico to not speak the language, to really feel like I wasn't fitting in, and you know, in the community I was living, and to feel very alienated and isolated. Um, because of that, I think I performed really badly in, in school. You, you might remember, I did not always go to class. And um, for the first few years, I, I really struggled finding finding a reason to sort of work towards, um, towards high school. Um, having said that, I, I got to say that, you know, it's not the first time you'll hear this, but <laughs> you've been very instrumental in in making sure that I took school serious and making sure that I felt more challenged. I had a different counselor than you, but my mom called so many times to speak to you because you spoke Spanish that I, th- I think we just decided you got to be my counselor um, because it would just be much easier. And um, you were very helpful sort of in not pushing me, but challenging me into, you know, trying to to do better for myself. And and I'd be remiss if I also didn't say that Ms. McKercher, Ms. Christy McKercher was instrumental as well. She was my English as a Second Language lear, uh, ESL teacher. Um, and, you know, there were several people at Milwaukee that t- truly were, were just challenging me, pushing me, opening doors and opportunities. Uh, I remember Ms. Gara, who I believe now she's a principal, but she used to teach us Spanish back when I was in Milwaukee, um, was always so reassuring to be able to see a Latina and to have someone encouraging you and saying, you make sure you get you get to college and you pursue a position that will pay you well for being bilingual. And, you know, it'll open so many doors. And she, she was really was <laughs> really encouraging and making sure that we kept learning the language and, and that we were sure to utilize that in our future. Um, but I mean, the list goes on, I could, I could keep talking about, you know, Ron Moss, Ron, Mr. Mosley was also uh, my psychology teacher, I took an advanced class with him in AP class. And I did link crew, which, um, you know, was the first taste of leadership experience um, that I got. And I loved it. I, I loved doing some events i loved talking to younger students um i mean it really got me hooked into trying to step into leadership roles and into believing in myself and that that i could do something for other people which um which i think you know the roadblocks as i mentioned were just the position i felt in because of um my environment and just feeling feeling like i didn't fit in but you know the people that were there along the way, I think were able to help me see that those roadblocks weren't permanent and that I had, I had a way of making sure I could get past them um, by believing in myself. And I don't think I could have done that without you guys believing in me. And I think that's why Milwaukee High School was just really instrumental in my success today and um, in making, in helping me see myself in a different way than I maybe couldn't see myself
0: then. Thanks for sharing. So many wonderful folks that you mentioned. And I think that's folks who are not in the building or not part of the community of Milwaukee High School don't realize that for us, you know, it's not about 4.0s. It's about caring for the students and helping them believe in themselves. And, uh, but on the student side, you know, it's wonderful when a student decides, you know what, I'm going to put some faith in this and, and, and take some risks. And so. I think that's a lesson that all students need to try to get to. Hopefully, sooner than later, because sometimes it happens when you're 30. You know, sometimes it happens when you're 15. Um, but so, thank you for sharing all that. That's, you know, it's it's all you. Actually, we were there to support you all the way. And Ms. Guerra, she's now going to become the brand new like assistant superintendent of North Lakemore. So,
1: wow. Yeah. Well, she deserves it. All the success. She's a rock star.
0: <laughs> she is. Um, so, what motivates you? Like, so you talked about that background, but right now, what's motivating you? Uh, well, actually, I want mo- to maybe more about the college time, the Portland State. What motivated you there, and is still the motivation for you to to keep going on and keep pushing yourself?
1: I would say I was pretty clueless when it came to um, college because uh, I knew my mom and my family wasn't gonna be able to financially help. And also, you know, we didn't know about FAFSA and all of these things, you guys were really great, you know, and giving us information around these topics. But even then, it just seemed like, oh, college is expensive, I can't afford it. And that was sort of the end of it. And I remember we had um, Orion from Clackamas Community College, come to Milwaukee high school and did a, a little spiel presentation about, Uh, Clackamas Community College. And there you told me about the student ambassador program. And then she gave me an application for it. Um, And you encouraged me many, many times to apply for it. And I I did. Um, And I think without that program, uh, I eventually got in. Uh, I was elected to be one of the student ambassadors. Without having that program, which pays for your tuition, I would have not I would have not started my college path because I simply thought I, I couldn't afford it. And I graduated high school with a very low GPA because of my bad performance freshman and sophomore year. Um, despite having about 16 credits of uh, earned college credits because of my advanced placement courses, I just, I didn't know where to start. And, you know, my, I think back then I remember thinking, well, I'm just going to work full time and save money and then and then I'll enroll. And um, even as I started as a student ambassador or as I applied, I got accepted. I remember one of the advisors calling me and saying, come to the office, let's set up your schedule for for the fall. And I said, No, I think I have to delay and start in winter. And he's like, No, silly, like, why would you do that? And I said, Well, I don't have money to pay books and fees and all of that stuff. He's like, just come to the office and we will figure it out because you will get some help from your financial aid. And, you know, we will apply for some scholarships if need be, and everything will be squared away, but you're starting in the fall. And so, you know, Had I not had this advisor call me and talk to me and had I not had this program as a student ambassador, I think I just would have not gotten started because I still thought it was too expensive and that I couldn't afford it. Uh, But I'm grateful I did. And I was at Clagamas Community College for two years. And I did my associates there and eventually transferred to Portland State and as I mentioned, having done link crew with uh, Mr. Mosley at Milwaukee, it showed me that I was really interested in leadership and that I, I really enjoy that. Then at Clark Community College through this position as a student ambassador, that leadership development continued. Um, I, my first year I worked as a tour coordinator for the college and I gave tours to p- prospective students, both from high school or just transferring from other colleges and their parents. And in my second year, I worked as a uh, as an ESL coordinator, and what that meant is that I created events and programming to make sure that our English as a second language um, students were engaged with the student body. And so that just meant creating really fun events and making sure people attended, and creating programs of language exchange where native speakers, would, you know, native English speakers, would be able to interact with our. English learners and, and have that exchange. So Clackamas was a wonderful experience for me, it was small, it was actually like very community driven. And because of the role that I served in as a student ambassador, I had a lot of connections, like I knew the president. Um, I knew some of the deans, I, you know, my instructors, everyone it just, it just felt very community. And I think that was a perfect fit for me, because had I gone to A big university and been in these really large student classes, uh, you know, where you're a freshman and there's like 200 or 300 of you, I don't think it would have felt as personal enough. And I really benefited from people knowing me because I am a relationship maker. And um, the relationships that I've made have been really helpful for me to like sort of get my next step in the door into whatever I'm going into next. So, so that was Clackamas Community College. I, like I mentioned, I transferred to Portland State and was there for two years. I under My undergrad was communication studies. And that wasn't always what I wanted to do. I think, you know, when I was at Milwaukee high school, I really got interested in healthcare. And I think that was like when Grace anatomy was really popular and everyone wanted to get into healthcare. Um, and I had done some program at Saban Schillenberg um, that you know, was really piquing my interest towards uh, towards the field. But quickly as I graduated, I realized I maybe was more interested in business uh, management. So when I started at CCC, I focused in my, my business background. Uh, but then I realized that I was really good at communications and that was more of what I liked. So um, I think my point of sharing this is that you don't necessarily have to be you don't necessarily have to know or figure out exactly what it is you want to do, because I will share further. It's not necessarily what I ended up working in either. Right. Um, I mean, unless if you want to be an engineer, you want to work as an engineer, I totally recommend you follow the (laughs) engineer path. Yeah. But uh, from my experience um, there's a lot of flexibility within the U S at least within our system, education system to, to still apply, to different positions and to step out of your, your background education and, and do different things. It's not a very linear process all of the time. And I think that actually really helps a lot of people like me that don't necessarily know or are sure of where they wanna end up. But if you work on just creating a good skill set, eventually that will open doors for you and you'll be able to pretty much wherever you wanna work. Um, but, uh, anyway, back to the education after PSU, I transferred to, uh, or not transfer. I graduated, um, and throughout my time at PSU, I worked, uh, full time. Um, I, I, kept working also when I was at CCC, I lived at home and it just, it was very important for me to continue to, to work, um, because, you know, my family, uh, wasn't necessarily in a good financial position, and, um, and and I was able to do it. I think it, it really taught me to self manage myself. Um, you know, with the, with homework, classes, with the student leadership programs, and and then with a job on the side. So I was always really busy. I was always really having a structure schedule, but that was actually really good for me because I needed that structure to sort of be productive. Um, and then when I was at PSU I had the opportunity to work um, at Planned Parenthood for a little while and then I worked as a family worker for Head Start for also for about a year and it was good for me to have these positions of very direct services where I got to see a lot of the inequality inequalities within our society and also just like the need from many diverse communities and I think that made me very passionate about policy changes and it made me passionate about being more involved in my community at the decision making level. And so I would say those experiences drove me to to the the jobs that I later took on after graduating.
0: Right. That you I was always worried that you're doing too much, you know, you're working too much. <laughs> I don't I, I was always worried even after you graduate, I was worried. I was like, ah, oh, she's working too much. i must make sure she's gotta do school. So, uh, but it, it can be very helpful for people like you. And sometimes I'm still gonna worry about other people working too much, but <laughs> thanks for sharing all that. Um, and I love that, you know, you can have all this passion, but if you're not really, if you don't work in policy, you're just kind of just working. And so trying to change that policy or affect policy positively I think it's a, a neat path or revelation that I'm seeing through you through your through your path here. And so I think it's pretty cool. I'm I'm kind of in that same path. I, w- I want to do some policy work. So I want to be like Wendy.
1: It's important, right? <laughs> yeah,
0: it is. All right. So was there ever a time? Well, actually, I'm gonna skip ahead because all these things are leading somewhere, but where is that somewhere? What's next? What's that next, you know? you also mentioned that your um your partner boyfriend that he's doing he did this exchange so I'm thinking does he have to come back to the United States because he did oh no do you have to go back to the United States because you're doing the exchange um is that part of the, the the agreement and so anyway there's a lot of questions like what's happening next with your profession and and you know do you have to go back and and all that you know like you have all these skills and what what do you dream in spanish english german like how does that work like
1: <laughs> well magically recently i have started to have some some german dreams which is very exciting because i remember learning english um i had i had heard from someone that when you dream in the language that you're learning it's when you've truly sort of penetrated into that niche of fluency um so uh it's an it's an interesting question. I. Hard to say specifically when next is, but I do know that, uh, actually my husband, we, we got married last year. Uh, (laughs) um, he and I are planning to relocate back to Oregon. Um, we miss home. I miss Portland. He loved, uh, being around nature and living in the Pacific Northwest. So I think this would be a good fit for both of us. And, um, A lot of the positions I've held in the past were in politics or policy, um, and currently with my experience um, doing this fellowship, I work for the German Federal Foreign Service. Um, I work for the uh, strategic communications team, and specifically I focused on disinformation uh, from foreign government, uh, analyzing how it affects our our state of affairs within Germany, um, identifying campaigns and sort of working with different think tanks uh, within the European Union to understand uh, strategic communication campaigns that we can deploy in order to be proactive about disinformation. information. Um, so because of that, I think that when I come back here, um, I will be working uh, for an institution that is trying to advance an agenda to better serve the communities here in Oregon. And I think I'm, because I'm a Latina, because of my experience as an immigrant, um, I'm interested in improving those experiences for, for people here. I, I would like for resources to be available to ensure that you know, our systems, particularly our government systems, are not, uh, are not racist that they're actually working towards identifying these barriers that often exist for, for people in our community. And I know that coming back, I will be stepping into a role where um, I have some leadership or I have a way of impacting change in my community through, through that, you know? And too to soon to say right now what that would be, but if my past experiences tell me anything is that um, I, I'm really good at building relationships and um, a lot of political will and campaigns are usually built around that. So um, I feel like the future is bright. That is currently what I'm looking forward towards. And uh, I'm also expecting, so I will be stepping into a new role, which is motherhood, which feels all too scary. And I was just telling you, like I'm, I am st- still feel really young, but in a way <laughs> this... this uh, this new face in my life is, uh, is an exciting one, but at the same time, a little bit of a scary one, just because I don't know anything about having a baby. Um, so I'm really excited to, to be a mom. And um, one thing I've learned in Germany is that we have a we have a way to go in ensuring that our government or system structures here uh, really support families and that and particularly support mothers and women. And so when I say that I want to be politically involved, I also foresee myself ensuring that there is more awareness and there is more advancement in policy to support uh women and particularly mothers, uh, and and you know, making sure that we're supporting them as workers, but, but also in their roles as mothers. So yeah. well,
0: I know you're a hard worker and I know that mothers are you know the backbone of our communities Latino communities right Latino communities and so I think you're it's you're gonna be perfect you're gonna be it's gonna be hard it's hard being a parent but you're gonna do a great job and and I know you're not just gonna be okay just being just a mom which is a lot all by itself I know you're gonna do more and so remember to reach out and ask for help and talk to folks because you you do that you have relationships where we remember it's not always going to be perfect you don't have to be perfect you're you're great the way that you are thank so you so i'm really excited for you congratulations
1: <laughs> thanks
0: yeah and i'm sorry i forgot you know Felisa, that on the on the wedding like it was a year ago and you know we've been all well
1: watching. covid and everything you know made made things really really weird but yes we're tie the knot and now we're in, we're an item <laughs> all right
0: <laughs> okay well i'm gonna bring us to milwaukee back to the milwaukee experience so you've shared so much um so i think i'm gonna go straight to like you know what was one of your like fondest favorite happiest experiences when you were at high school
1: I think being, I think senior year was probably the most uh, fun I had. And and that was because I was the most involved and engaged with uh, student body. I mean, I think we had spirit week and we had, um, I was playing soccer. There, there was just, I just remember feeling like I look forward to coming to school because a lot of my my life revolved around school and, and I was doing well because I was working hard towards my classes. I actually just saw my best friend who, you know, I met my best friend at Milwaukee High School and she's still my best friend, Stacey Cordova. And I still love her to this day. And it's one of those relationships that I don't, you know, I, I can't imagine a world. Like I just mentioned I got married, but, you know, Stacy's my person <laughs> and I can't imagine a world without her. Um, and, and my fondest memory is, uh, you know, going to football games and another of my best friends is Tim Garcia, who I'm still really close with. And, you know, who I also just recently cut up with, um, over donuts. And I, I just, I just love how both of those friendships have always stayed with me since, and, you know, I graduated back in 2008. Um, so it's over a decade now. And, and we're still just great friends. And there are people that have always just been there for me um, on the good times, on the bad times. And so my fondest memories is doing fun things with them, whether we would go to Denny's after school or after a dance or a game. And I think that's that's one of my takeaways that when you are invested in the school, so if, if you're currently attending Milwaukee, I encourage you to attend the games when it's safe to do so again and attend the dances and get involved in organizing a float or, you know, whatever, whatever is happening. It is so nice to connect to others around you and to build relationships with them because you get to, you get to meet a new person oftentimes, or you get to learn something new about someone you probably didn't know about. Um, And it just makes school so much more enjoyable when, when you're connected with your peers, Um, and you don't know which relationships you're going to end up taking for, for the rest of your life. Like in my case, um, like I mentioned, I make these really, really powerful relationships that follow me throughout the years. And, you know, these people become your rocks, um, and your, your, your center, um, which, which I'm grateful for. Um, it's good to remember where you come from and it's good to remember how far, you know, like all the hardships we, we all went through in high school. Cause I think it's a really a turbulent time oftentimes for, for a lot of us, you know, we're getting to know ourselves, our bodies, and, and we're trying to figure out what the world wants from us and what we want from ourselves. So, so yeah, I think friends are my fondest memory.
0: <laughs> yeah. No, that's great. Those are, you know, wonderful people that you mentioned all, all throughout this episode. It's awesome. Um, all right. Well, I don't want to be too nosy, so we're going to go to the rodeo. I'll be nosy off off, off the interview here. (laughs) (laughs) So, the rodeo this is a um, five questions that are kind of like off the top of your head answers, but we can take time to elaborate. Um, But I'm asking the same five of everybody. Okay. Are you ready?
1: I'm ready. All
0: right. What was your favorite spot at the high school?
1: I gotta say the there was this like um, Mustang market store and then nearby from there there was a foosball table Mm -hmm. and so I just enjoyed playing foosball there and then there was a closed door and stairs and you could I I love sitting there and just chatting with my friends and there was like not many people coming through so it was private and it was just like a nice spot to be in the middle of everything but at the same time I know it's odd, right? Like a stairwell, but that's, <laughs> yeah. I love that spot. <laughs> I, know,
0: I know what you're talking about, right there by the Mustang Market. It, yes. Yeah, there were so many stairs at Milwaukee High School. Good thing it wasn't like Hogwarts, because they, if they moved around, it'd be, it'd be in trouble. <laughs> the new Milwaukee High School only really had, well, it still has a lot of stairs. We, we were in there today for the first time with students, and yeah, my legs were feeling it. I don't know how many steps I got in, but a lot. All right, number two, what is your personal motto?
1: I think my personal motto now is to, to be passionate about what I'm doing, to, to know my why. Um, and, and as I mentioned, to me that comes down to knowing why I'm doing something or why I'm working towards something. And that oftentimes is maybe because I wanna give back to my community because it's something that makes me feel good about myself, because it's also something that is rewarding. Um, but I will add on to that and say that recently I have learned that it's important to take on identities. It's important to t- not to say, for example, if you want to be a good writer, don't say I'm working on being a writer. Just just say I'm a writer because owning that part of yourself really centers you to push yourself towards maybe writing more often. And therefore you eventually do become a writer. Same with like hobbies such as running. You know, I, I love running. And I, I, I say I'm I'm an athlete because I love working out and doing different, different sports. And, and I think because I say that about myself to myself, I, I, I'm successful at, at participating in those things. So my motto is to own your, on your identity, uh, whatever that is, and and to to be sure that you know your why. Yeah.
0: Those are good. Two double motto. That's nice. Double motto. <laughs> All right. Number three. What are you grateful for?
1: Whew. I think over the last year, it was a really hard year. Um, I'm grateful for the people in my life. Um, I've struggled with um not having the best relationships with my parents, um, due to some mental health issues. And I quickly realized that the people that surround me, uh, such as my friends, my chosen family are, are just unconditional love. And I'm grateful to always have them by my side. I think this is a common theme as you've heard through this podcast, that people are really instrumental for me and in, in making me a better person. And, and feeling loved and, and to give love to, which I also find really important. So I'm grateful for the people in my life. Yeah.
0: And they're all grateful for you. I, hope so. <laughs> no, I know. All right. What's your favorite form of self-care?
1: Well, it changes. Uh, um, Let's see. I used to say that going for a run was a very good way of doing self-care. But since I've been getting later into my pregnancy, I'm not running as much. And also during the winters in Berlin, I really struggled to get out of the apartment and go for a run. So I have tried different things, which is doing a Sunday self-care, which is yoga followed by a Face masks, so I try to bring the spa to my house.
0: <laughs> That's awesome. Sunday self care. I need to do exactly. That. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I wanted to ask. It's not part of the rodeo. So, if I were Mustang, I am a Mustang. Young Mustang wants to go to Germany. Where should we go?
1: We're in Germany to go. Well, infinite places. Um, I think Berlin is the attractive. City that everyone knows about because it's very international, and uh, you'll get away with not speaking German because everyone speaks English. Um, but it's also a really cool city. It's just it's a very artsy city, and it was actually divided between the war uh, be- for the east and the west um, post World War II. So the communist side was the east, and the west was the allies, which you know was the U.S., France the UK, people that won. <laughs> and and there's a lot of history and culture around that. So you literally get to see differences from the architecture and you, there's a lot of museums. And because of the friction between these two sides, um, there's a huge underground um, techno scene that has now been booming. And Berlin is known as the, the, clubbing or partying city of the world, um, because the party goes on all night. (laughs) So if that's what you're looking for, I'd say Berlin is amazing for museums and for staying out all night. Uh, Or if you're an artist and you're interested in the art, it's a very artist-friendly place. Um, I I didn't know that until I actually moved there. And um, it's, it's impressive the way they support the artist community. Um, and you get to enjoy it as a resident because you get to go to all these different galleries for free and and get to experience the art. Um, but I would say that East Germany is very interesting because of the history, because of its history with um, the communist side um, and during the times of the DDR. Um, you know, a lot of cities were completely devastated, just bombed. You know, my husband actually comes from Dresden. And the city was completely bombed and reconstructed. So it's very interesting to see how the architecture was preserved and to, and to learn about, you know, the history there before the war and after the war. Um, but overall, the South is also wonderful. If you're into nature, you can go to the Alps. Um, it's just really depends on what you're into. Yeah.
0: All right. No, I've, I've always dreamt of going to er, everywhere, but Germany is definitely one of the places. You know, my love for football, right? Bayern Munich and Bundesliga. Dortmund, Bundesliga, yeah, all that. So maybe one day, hopefully. Okay, last question. It's the hardest one of all time, right? Anuric okay. victorious or Mustang born?
1: Mustang born. Mustang born. Because <laughs> <laughs> you remember it. <laughs> Because that's what I remember. I don't remember the other one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
0: All right. Well, that is, this concludes our interview. Um, you know, thank you so much. I, I'm going to say it. I love you, just like I think I said, Rolando. I love you. You're, you know, we I, you were early in my career. I like grew up with you. I learned a lot during during our times. We had some great stories that we're not going to share right now, because um, <laughs> you know we're all you were young and things happen in school, but it's all good because you're here. You're a successful, wonderful woman. And uh, I'm so excited for you and I'm thankful for you for being here today.
1: Well, thank you. I love you too. And I think what you're doing is wonderful. Um, You know that you were just a key person in my life, and I don't think I'd be where I am without you. Even if you say it's all me, I I highly doubt it. You were just really a guiding star. And I'm so happy that other students have the opportunity to, to have you for, for, you know, seeking their, their path and their true North Um, because it's not easy being, being young and some of the obstacles we we are facing nowadays, but, you know, just people like you make the world go around and we're just going to be grateful that we have you.
0: Well, and people like you are going to be our models for, for the next generation. So thank you so much. Um, All right, we're
1: signing off. Thank you. (laughs) Bye.
0: Gracias por escuchar this episode of Mustangs in the Field featuring Wendy Serrano, class of 2008. As I shared, I have much love and respect for this wonderful woman. I also shared that I learned and grew so much following her experience. Um, She really has a very unique story of being the non-immigrant immigrant and that experience. And I appreciate her willingness to take risks and explore and live in another country and learn a new language. And I hope that all of us get that opportunity. And I know that I'm dreaming of that opportunity for myself as well. And uh, thanks to Wendy, I'm going to try to embark on an international journey and connect with some of our exchange students here to close out this school year and this season of Mustangs in the Field. So I'm not going to preview my next guest because it's been a little bit difficult um, connecting and s- coordinating the schedule with folks who are in a different hemisphere and 12 time zones away. So. Let's just be hopeful that we get some international guests and some some of that flavor to share with our Mustang community here. Again, I hope you um, enjoyed this episode and the transition music provided to us by Mustang graduate Ep, lowercase e, double capital P, and that you get a chance to support him and share his music with others. And as always, be healthy and well out there. Go Mustang. Tell me how shall I proceed? Y'all still no green, cut the rug loose, tell me work it out. Back rules, bending both knees. I'm faking no need. Hit the last time, father's doing nice Tell me how shall I proceed? Y'all still no green, cut the rug loose, tell me work it out.